Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're joining us uh, online or in person. And uh, end of a one year, beginning of next uh, new year, beginning uh, this week. So this is our last Sunday, but we're going to start a new series that will continue into next year. It's called Toughest Nails. This is something I've been wanting to talk about for a while, and so I thought this was a good time to start. Today's topic is waiting on the cross with Jesus. Maybe a concept you've not thought about all. A whole lot. Now, most of us know that our, our world is really changing. And the internet, for example, has changed a lot of things. In fact, one reason we can, you can view this at home is because of the internet. But really, something really significant has happened to our minds. We have a, it seems that we've come to the place where we have an ability to, to, uh, to concentrate. Uh, give you an example. I love to read. I read, uh, used to read probably... I don't know, 75 books a year. I don't know how many books. Uh, fiction as well as nonfiction. I read lots of books. You know how many books I'm trying to figure out, and I can't think of one book I've read this year. I still read a lot. I just not have read a book from cover to cover between uh, a lot of stuff I study and stuff I review and even entertainment is, is, is visual. And so consequently, it's kind of uh, limited our ability to follow through and concentrate over a amount of time, rather it's reading a book or doing other things. So I thought this was interesting. Even vacationing has changed. They're called black hole resorts that you can spend like $2,000 a night to go to this resort and stay in a room where there's no internet and there's no computer and your cell phone won't work. And so you just have to go out and hike and do other things. Uh, so our lives are changing, and part of that is our difficulty to wait. I don't know the exact uh, time frame, but I think it's like five seconds. You have somebody to decide if they're going to stay on your website or not. Five seconds. And that's where our, how our minds have gone. So I'm going to talk to you about waiting, because waiting is something we're getting less and less good at, and especially this waiting on the cross with Jesus. <clears throat> so God has a plan. He has a growth plan for your and my spiritual change, whether it's become from a, not being a Jesus follower to being a Jesus follower. And if you're watching us and you're not, we're glad you're watching. And hopefully today will help convince you to become one. But most of us are Jesus followers. And God has a growth plan for our spiritual change. Now, that growth change is dependent upon we call the cross. It is essential to go beyond and go through the cross. Now, most of the world understands that the cross is the symbol of Christianity, the symbol of our faith. And the reason that is because God's wrath for sin, sin of all mankind fell on Jesus on the cross. He took our pain, our suffering for us so that we wouldn't have to, so we could have a relationship with God we couldn't pay for our sins. He paid for our sins on the cross. So that's why it's the symbol of our, uh, our relationship with God. So we have a theme verse for this series, and it's Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And this is from the, what's called the Amplified Version. It's a version of the Bible where they literally translate the Bible, but then they give explanations of what some of the words might mean. So Jesus is speaking here, and he says this. He was saying to them all, 
If anyone wishes to follow me, that means be my disciple. We talk about being Jesus followers. If that's your desire, okay, that's my desire. So what, what then? He, me, you, us must deny ourselves. Okay? If I want to be a Jesus follower, here's the first thing I have to do. I have to deny myself, which means set aside my selfish interests. It can't be all about me because most people's lives are all about them. No, it can't be all about me. It's going to be about Jesus. And there's more to it than that. So I can deny myself. Secondly, I have to take up uh, my cross daily. I can't take up Jesus' cross. Jesus already took care of his cross. But we all, as Jesus followers, once we deny ourselves, there's going to be a cross or involved in denying ourselves is a cross. And it's not something we do every once in a while. It's something that is ongoing. It's a daily activity. Uh, this translation Uh, explains it this way, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. Okay, I deny myself, and then I express a willingness to endure whatever may come. And then I, and follow me, Jesus said, and follow me, which means believe in me, conforming to my example, and that's what we're going to talk about today, my example in living, and if need be, suffering, or perhaps dying, Because of faith in me. So the cross is a symbol of our faith, a symbol of Christianity, but the cross is more than that. The cross is a pattern. It's a pattern. Uh, Jesus went to the cross and died. You and I are supposed to go to the cross, take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, and follow him. So we follow him to the cross or through the cross. So transformation change, spiritual growth, whatever you might want to call it, only comes to us as we embrace our cross or our crosses, whatever they might be. Now, one way you can identify these are things that you and I want to run from. These are things we don't want to face. These are things we don't want to endure. These are things we don't want to put up with. Uh, But the reality is that is the only way or means for us to spiritually grow for our relationship with God to deepen so what we want least is what we need the most so what is it what is the cross that God has placed before you what is it that you like the least what is it you do want to run from Uh, lots of examples for many of us it may be a hurt some hurt that somebody has caused us in the past and maybe it's been years ago And maybe we've, in our mind, forgiven them over and over again. But every time, or not every time, but when it comes back to mind or we encounter that person, that hurt comes back. That might be your cross. Another cross is is, is something you know you need to do, but you know it's going to cause hurt or pain to someone else. Uh, Example I thought of when we became missionaries in 1984, uh, international missionaries, we left with our two children at that time and went across the Atlantic Ocean to Portugal. Um, it hurt both of our mothers because we took our, their grandchildren away from them, or some of them. For, for my mother-in-law, it took all her grandchildren away. She only had those two. So uh, that may be your cross, something like that. You may be single. Uh, don't want to be single, and God hasn't brought that other person, then that may be your cross. And You're trying to stay sexually pure in that singleness. Or maybe you're single again or, or uh, lost a spouse and that's your cross 
Maybe you're in a difficult marriage and, you know, God tells you to stick it, stick it, st- hang in there, stick, stick it through, stick through it. But, you, you know, all the fiber of your being wants out. You want to run. Maybe it's dealing with aging parents. Maybe it's dealing with a health issue. Maybe it's dealing with a job issue. Maybe it's dealing with a financial issue. What is the cross that God has placed before you? So I want you to identify, for this purposes of today, uh, identify a difficult place for you. You say, well, i got dozens of them. No, 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 just pick one. doesn't have to be the hardest one, but one of the hard ones. What is some cross that you are called to bear right now in your life? And it's a place where you've got to decide, am I going to follow God's will or am I going to do my will? Because my will is to get out of here. God's will is for me to, to hang in there, to stay there. Now, the interesting thing about a cross is this. Uh, when you take something to the cross, when you go to the cross, when Jesus went to the cross, what's on the other side of the cross? <laughs> and that's the key to Christianity, right? Is the resurrection. There is a death, but then there is new life, greater life, better life. In this case, once you're a Jesus follower, greater connectedness, connectedness or greater maturity, uh, deeper relationship with God. Now, we, want, we think it's the worst thing that could happen to us, right? Uh, but God says, no. no. No, 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 You don't understand. This is the best thing that could happen to you. Uh, Jesus hanging on that cross, that was, I'm sure he thought, this is the worst thing that could happen to me. Why am I suffering and dying for the sins of mankind? I haven't done anything wrong. This is the worst thing that could happen to me. And God said, no, 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 this is the best thing. Because then you're going to be resurrected. You're going to be glorified. And mankind is going to worship you for at least 2,000 years, right? It's been that long. So the cross is a means for God to do something in us and eventually through us. Because God's got to work in us before he can work through us. Remind me of something James wrote, and we're going to talk about (laughs) this concept in James chapter 1. Don't run from tests and hardships. We could put crosses in there. Don't run from them. Brothers and sisters, as difficult as they are, as hard as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. Now, I can't imagine what it was like dying on a cross, but ultimately, Jesus found joy through his resurrection. Same for you and I. So if, there's the condition, if you and I embrace them, what? Their crosses, those hardships, those difficulties, your faith will blossom under pressure. It'll grow. It's like muscles only grow under pressure, under exertion. And teach you true, and here's a word we're going to talk about a little bit, patience as you endure. It takes patience to endure, not to run. And true patience brought on by this endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line. One of the most amazing things is uh, some of us have run ultra marathons. That's 50-mile races. And to cross the finish line. Um, every race I've started, I've finished. I'm proud of that because that's hard to do. Same thing in, our, in, in, in your life and my life, in our, in our uh, service to God. It's hard to stick in there year after year, all the way to the finish line. Be mature, be complete, wanting nothing. Now, we want there to be another way. Is there another way? God says, no, there's no other way to get 
where you need to get. Something has to die for something else to be resurrected, something new, something better. So why does it feel like death? Well, it feels like death because it is death. It is death, whatever it is that in your life and my life that we have to die to, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's uh, uh, you know, a lack of a relationship we desire, a difficult relationship that we need to uh, continue to work on, what it might be on. So you and I need to hang on to those crosses. Uh, take them up daily if we set them down. <laughs> take them up daily. So we're going to read the account of Jesus taking up his cross or dying on his cross. We're going to read it from Mark's account. We've got four accounts, four Gospels. We're going to read Mark's account. Uh, so Mark 15, verse 22. And so they... We'd been Jesus and a couple other criminals and the soldiers and the crowd. Uh, came at last to the execution site, a hill called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, of a skull. The soldiers, obviously they brought Jesus, offered Jesus wine mixed with myrrh to dull his pain, but he refused it. And so they crucified him. Put nails through his hands and feet, and erected that cross. Uh, not not high, just barely off the ground, so people would see him as they passed by. Divided up his clothes and cast lots. That's an ancient equivalent of rolling dice to see who would keep the clothes they had stripped from him. His crucifixion began about nine o'clock in the morning. Over his head hung the sign that indicated the charge for which he was being crucified. It read the king of the Jews. On either side of him were two insurgents who had also received the death penalty. Those passing by on their way into, into and out of Jerusalem insulted and ridiculed him. Some in the crowd said this, so you're the one who's going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. That's ridiculous. Well, if you're so powerful, then why don't you rescue yourself? Come down from the cross. Now, the chief priests and the scribes mocked Jesus among themselves, so they were talking among themselves. He rescued others. He can't rescue himself. Let the anointed, the king of Israel, so to, he says, come down from the cross now, and we will see it and believe. Even the insurgents who were being crucified next to him taunted him and reviled him. So I want to talk to you about two big temptations Jesus had while he was hanging on the cross. Temptations that you and I have as we deal with our crosses. The first is a temptation to be distracted. To be distracted. Crucifixion was horrible. Uh, the most painful execution maybe the world's ever seen, but the Romans could come up with at the, at the time. If you were a Roman citizen, you were exempt. They, could, they couldn't crucify you. They you couldn't execute you that way. They put you to death, but not that way. And then uh, they, they uh, gambled for his clothes. Uh, some experts believe that Jesus was actually, to increase the shame, was actually crucified naked. We don't see, see that picture, obviously, that way. But it was the most horrible, horrible, physically as well as mentally, spiritually, emotionally, uh, way to die uh, that, is, that is possible. So in our text, we read this. The soldiers offered Jesus wine mixed with myrrh to dull his pain 
but he refused it. Okay, so when we get pain, we take drugs to dull our pain, right? Uh, but Jesus wanted a clear mind. He wanted a clear connection uh, to his Father. He didn't want to miss anything. And so uh, he refused, even though it was going to be more painful. And you and I have the same tendency. When we pick up our crosses, when we are in pain, we want to dull it. Uh, what is our drug of choice, if you will? It may be drugs or alcohol that literally do that to us. Um, the problem is we make bad decisions I've never been drunk or high, but I know other people. Uh, you make bad decisions in that state, don't you? When your mind isn't clear. And there's all kinds of drugs of choice. We, you know, there's things called com- comfort food. That's the deal, your, deal with your pain. It could be, uh, uh, what is it, watching TV all day, whatever they call that. Uh, some form of entertainment. It could be shopping, spending money. Anything to get our mind off the cross, get our mind off the pain, to try and dull the pain. But God says, no, 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 don't do that. It's too important. I want you to, to, to be clear-minded, to, to understand. So, what do you do when you're in pain? You use one of those methods, or maybe there's something else. Um, you get in and out of relationships to try and deal with you, your loneliness. What do you do when you're, you are in pain? Again, we're not talking specifically about physical pain. We're talking about uh, the pain that comes from these crosses. These crosses aren't things that we bring upon ourselves. These are crosses that happen because I, I'm following Jesus and this is where Je- following Jesus takes me. So the temptation to be distracted. The other temptation is this. the temptation to hurry. The temptation to hurry, to, to try and get to the other side of this. To try and get off the cross, or as soon as possible, get off the cross. The text said this, uh, mocking Jesus, said, Let the anointed, the king of Israel, come down from the cross now. Not later, not wait. <clears throat> now, and we will see it and believe. <clears throat> you and I need to understand something. <clears throat> if we were living in the first century and we heard Jesus speak, we would probably had one of two reactions. First, we would have thought he was probably the most arrogant person we ever had heard. I mean, he didn't just come out and say, I'm better than the rest of you folks. I'm better than you. He said, I'm, I'm God. <laughs> Which means you're just all peons. I'm, I'm on a whole different level from you. It would be the most arrogant person you ever met. I don't know about you, but I don't care for arrogant people in general. Uh, so how would you like to be confronted with Jesus' Jesus's arrogance? Or you just thought he was crazy, Looney Tunes, you know. He doesn't know what he's talking about. This person's crazy. So what? I want to ask you a question. I get some feedback maybe here from folks that are here. What do you consider the greatest miracle in the Bible? <clears throat> what do you consider the greatest miracle in the Bible? Dividing the Red Sea, uh, you know, Jonah in the belly of the whale. <clears throat> Excuse me. Somebody can call out one if you think of one. One suggested the first service was creation. That's a pretty big miracle. Most experts point to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of Christianity. All the powers of hell were trying to stop that from happening, and it still happened. So most experts point to the crucifixion. Some point to the uh, Christmas because you and I have no concept of what it must have been for Jesus to say, I'm leaving heaven 
to come down to earth? That's a huge miracle. Put the nose aside. What, what would be the second greatest miracle? And I love the suggestion I came across. It was the fact that he stayed on the cross. That he did nothing. There's a song that says he could have called 10,000 angels down. He could have jumped off that cross anytime he, cross anytime he wanted to. This series is called Tough as Nails. He was tougher than nails. He could have came off that cross anytime he wanted. Yet he decided to be obedient to his father and suffer the full wrath of God for your sins and mine. I'm going to give you, uh, share with you a testimony of some folks, a couple. Um, change, they're not people I know personally. I read about them. <clears throat> I'll just kind of illustrate this. Um, change the names even. <clears throat> I'm going to call them Dick and Jane just so it's easy for me to remember. They were married about 40 years. They had three adult children at this point, and they, um, the youngest son was about 30 years old, and he was Down syndrome. He was still living at home. New Year's Eve, so the anniversary is coming up this week. New Year's Eve, Dick comes to Jane and says this, I've been having an affair for the last 10 years with a woman in the office. I'm moving out. You should file for divorce because I love her and not you. And Jane writes, my world collapsed. I wanted to die. And maybe some of you have been to that place. Just want to die. So Jane says to Kevin, Daddy doesn't love me anymore, but he still loves you very much, and that won't change. And for the next three years, he would spend some portion of the weekend with Kevin. He would call most mornings and find out how they were doing. He supported them financially. But every time he called or visit, the pain would come back, of course. And Jane dealt with bouts of deep depression during this time. She said, I had no clue who I was. I depended on my husband for everything. She went to start seeing a Christian counselor. She said, I asked the Lord to take complete control of our lives, her and her son. She said, I can't do anything about my husband, but I can work on me. She became a hospital therapist. She also began to learn how to manage her money. She joined Weight Watchers to take care of herself physically. And for three years, uh, Kevin would ask his Sunday school class to pray with him that his dad would return. And they, they said that uh, we prayed, but we didn't really believe it. Three years. Eventually, after three years, Dick began to be attracted to Jane again. So much so that eventually he came to her. He asked her for forgiveness. He apologized. He went and asked the church for forgiveness. And Dick says this, To this day, I'm convinced that the prayers of Kevin moved the hand of God. Maybe even slapped me inside the head to get my attention about what I was doing and changed my ways. And obviously in this case, they were reunited. Uh, happy ending. Not, now, all crosses don't even end in happy endings, but this one did. So Jane says, after 44 years of marriage, I've never seen him cry. 
But now I begin to wonder if he'll ever stop. That's how much he's changed. So do you agree with me that Jane did a great job of waiting on that cross? You know, she could have six, eight, ten months later gotten remarried and all of us say, good for you, he's a jerk anyway, right? That's what you and I would say, and that's how we would react. <clears throat> she could have distracted herself, uh, gotten busy, gotten remarried, whatever. But she waited with Jesus on her cross. Now, behind our rebellion, behind our refusal to, to get on the cross or stay on the cross is fear, is fear. It's fear that God isn't who we think he is. It's fear that God's character isn't, we don't have his character correct. Because if God is good, this wouldn't be happening to me. My husband wouldn't leave me after 40 years of marriage. She wouldn't leave me and, and, and our, our son. God's good, that doesn't happen. If God loves me, that's not going to happen. And that's our, that's our problem. That's, that's one reason we, we want to run from the cross because we think, no, this isn't God. But just behind that fear is impatience. Impatience. I mean, you all have to deal with that at some level, at some point, whatever that cross might be. But we get impatient. We want to get over and through with it as soon as possible. That was Judas's big problem. He was following Jesus. Jesus was telling him, I'm going to bring about my kingdom. And he, it, Judas just said, it's taken too long. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And, of course, he betrayed Jesus. I'm an impatient person. Maybe you're not, but I am. I hate to sit in traffic. Got a truck driver here that sits in traffic a lot, I guess. <laughs> I hate to sit in traffic. I hate traffic lights. I'll drive a longer distance just to avoid traffic lights because I don't like sitting there waiting. I don't wait waiting in checkout lines. I don't shop a lot, so don't have to do that very often. One problem I have, and forgive me, and when I do this, correct me, I get impatient when people are talking to me. I try and finish their sentences for them sometimes. Uh, I'm just an impatient person. But we need to realize God's not limited by time as we are. A thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years to God. Time is not a thing that God deals with. It's things we deal with. And so, hanging across for nine hours to, to, to God, says, waiting for three years to your husband to come back, is like a snap of your fingers to God. But for us, it takes patience. So, patience is not just a virtue. It is rooted in the resurrection. It's rooted in the fact that we hang there, we hold on, we stay there until the resurrection comes, until the new thing comes. Um, some examples from Scripture. How long did Abraham wait for that promised child to come? 25 years. 25 years. Had another son before that, 25 years. Joseph, how long did he have to wait for his life to turn around after his brother sold him into slavery? Uh, about 13 years, we estimate. Prime years from 17 to 30, those years. Moses, 40 years he lived in a palace. 40 years he lived in a desert. And then he had this privilege of carrying the Israelites out of Egypt and then spent another 40 years in the desert. 
What a cross to bear. So it feels like death, doesn't it? But God says there's a resurrection on the other side. One of my favorite verses in the last page of the Bible, all right? It's in Revelation 21.5. And this is referring to Jesus. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Now, it's going to happen in the end, but it's happening now. He's making everything new. This is an ongoing thing that God does. The problem is when you and I are on the cross, it feels old, doesn't it? You know, I've been dealing with this character flaw for years and years, and I just can't seem to, impatience for it. I can't get to the place where I'm, maybe more patient than I was, but I'm still impatient. It just feels old. But God says to us, there's no other way. There's no other way to get to the resurrection except through death. So if you and I are, are want to be obedient, if you and I want to follow Jesus, we want our relationship with God to grow, we've got to go to the cross. We've got to wait with Jesus on the cross. Again, referring to uh, the text we read, uh, the religious leader said to Jesus, well, if you're so powerful, then why don't you rescue yourself? If. Come on down from the cross. See, something you and I need to realize. Remember when Satan came to Jesus and tempted him? He said, if you are God, turn the rocks into bread. If you are God, do this. If you bow down to me, Satan's temptation is always, if you come off that cross, See, there's spiritual warfare going on here, and we don't talk about it a whole lot. The greatest spiritual warfare, warfare was for Jesus to get off that cross. He had all the power to do it, and yet he didn't. So when you and I are tempted to, to, to not pick up our cross or get off that cross or trying to rush through that cross, we need to understand there's spiritual warfare. There's something more important going on. Now, here's an important thing that you and I need to understand. If God could have done it different in a different way, in this case, the salvation of mankind, don't you think he would have? If there was some other way other than sending his son to earth to suffer and to die, don't you think he would have? I know he would have. There's no other way. And so there's no other way to bring about spiritual maturity and growth and uh, deeper relationship with God in your life and my life than through the cross. And when we go through our crosses, we discover a, a sense of brokenness, a sense of humility, a sense of closeness to God that we didn't have before. So I want to end with this passage from uh, uh, Paul, who was a missionary, international missionary, wrote a lot of our New Testament. He was explaining there's two groups of people, those that are spiritual, those who are God, Jesus followers, and those who are not. He describes them this way. The message of the cross that we're talking about today is foolishness. If you think it's foolish, you'd be in this category of those who are headed for destruction. Those who are separated from God, don't have a, a connection with God, have not been resurrected spiritually. But for most of us that are watching or listening, we who are being saved, 
saved initially and continuing that relationship with God? No. What do we know? It, this cross is the very power of God. It's the power of God for our salvation, our transformation to being enemies of God, to being children of God. But it's also the means or the power for our transformation, for our spiritual growth, for our maturity. So what did Jesus do when he was hanging on the cross? He made the priority his connection with God. Yeah, I'm suffering here. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's so painful. But the most important thing for me, God, is my relationship with you. And not my will, but yours be done. If you want me to hang here, I'm going to hang here. No matter how painful it is until it stops. In this case, until I die. Here's what I want you to think about as you leave and maybe this week. You have to have a crucifixion to have a resurrection. So if you want a change in your life, if you want something new to spring forth, something's got to die. There's no other way. The Scripture uses this illustration. You have to plant a seed in the earth and it has to die for new life to spring forth. So what area of your life do you want to see resurrected, new life, new growth, new maturity? Only way is through the pain of the cross and the pain of patience, endurance. So that would be my prayer for you. Let's, let us pray. Uh, Father God, none of us like crosses. None of us like pain. And in our culture, it's, there's so many means of dulling the pain, avoiding the pain, thinking that we shouldn't deal with the pain. So help us understand what, what our true crosses, things that we are to endure because we are serving you, following you, obeying you, things that will bring about maturity and growth in our lives. What are those things? Some things we think are crosses are just problems we brought on ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to take on the whole wrath of God for mankind on that cross. Whatever cross we may carry is so minuscule in comparison that we can't thank you enough. It's the only way I can have a relationship with the Father. And if you're not a Jesus Father, we'd like to pray that today would be the day that that foolishness would become reality, we become understanding, we become truth, we become, yes, I, that's what I need. I need. I need my sins forgiven. I need to have a relationship with God that I can't fix on my own. Jesus paid it all. He did it all. All you need to do is surrender, confess your sin, accept the gift, and then you'll be resurrected to new life. God, I thank you for the privilege that we all have of making those decisions. You don't force our crosses on us. We get to decide. We decide we want to run or we want to hang in there. Do we want to mature? Do we want our relationship with you to grow? Or do we just want to take the easy way out to our detriment because we don't grow?
So God, I would pray that you would make that clear to each of us. What is that cross? Do I pick it up every day? Do I stay on it? Am I patient? Do I trust you? Do I, or am I afraid that you're not who I think you are? We thank you that we have the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us that kind of reminds us of these things and urges us and prompts us. Yeah, 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 that, yeah that's, that's something I need to do. That's something I need to endure for God's glory. Let this all be for your glory, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.